You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us. Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy, surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. These responsibilities, I have to take care of my kids. I have like, you know, my job, I have to make money. I have to do all these things, but I get to eat the food when I want to eat it. You know, like the candy, like at the end of the day, I get to like drink whatever I want to drink. Like I have freedoms because, and I can stay up to whenever I want to stay up. Like they don't have those things, but at the same time, they have no responsibilities. So like, which one, which one is real freedom? Having no responsibilities or having responsibilities for something? Wait, you think you get to eat whatever you want, whenever you want? I feel like much that more was, than they, yeah, much but, more than they do. But there are definitely consequences. Like um, ah, okay, so fine. Consequences are part of the conversation for sure. But like, I, I'm I'm more interested in like what is the definition of freedom, right? Because the one of the things that that comes up in Judaism is they talk about like we were only free for like a millisecond, right? We were freed from Egypt, which is what's going on right now, right? To immediately go to Mount Sinai and then get all the laws and then we're sort of beholden to God, not beholden to Pharaoh anymore. And is that really freedom? Like, did we become free? Or did we just become beholden to another master? And like, more what laws. is <clears throat> more laws? Exactly. And if you think that there's a moment of, of really getting obsessive compulsive with laws, Passover is the perfect example of like running <laughs> right every like corner. Oh my God. It's, it's about as bad as it gets. So interesting. That's, that's so sort of like, the, aren't the laws, the pathway to freedom though, aren't they the pathway that's, to that's, the shalom, the wholeness that is free? Exactly. That's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about. Why aren't you talking about it? Are we recording already? Yeah, it's a podcast. We're not a we're not a production. Wait a studio. minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were like we haven't hired an, about, an announcer, and we don't I have we like talking a, about <laughs> the Roots House <laughs> Band. No, no, no. I thought we were talking about what we were going to talk about. Now you want to talk about you want to talk about it. You I hijacked, talk about I hijacked you because because you often get really uh, really awkward and overly produced. You get this voice like you're suddenly on uh, on a. Um, talk show or something and and then you start talking yeah. in a strange way once you know we're recording right. so i just i just you just hijacked us started recording yeah. yeah so right so the whole thing came from the idea of like what is see freedom. there's your producer for, voice again try it again that's Here's, my producer let's, voice let's start over right, start over just okay. just do it Sorry. normally you're not trying to impress anybody look there's there's only two people listening and it's our mothers so just just talk like At you're talking best. to, to <laughs> my mothers. mother's way behind <laughs> my mother's way <laughs> she keeps saying uh, just the other day she said to me i love the music episode this is a really good one i was like oh you mean like like a month ago that is a great episode i love that i one. don't have time for this bullshit <laughs> she really is like who has who has time to listen to an hour of their son talking and some other guy so um no so right so we're in the thick of passover and um and like we all use that. That's the whole thing. It's all about freedom. It's all about getting free and getting out of, you know, Egypt. And, but at the same time, you know, I, I thought about like Leah and I had this conversation once and we said, what, what symbolizes freedom to you? And she, she said that she asked me and I said, it's, it's like a full tank of gas in an open road. And she's like, that's, 
like my, that's my answer. Like that's for me, that's about as free as it gets. So that has what it would go deeper. Why is that? Why is that freedom? Because it's sort of like you, you have all the possibilities in front of you, everything that you could do that you want to do. You can go wherever you want to go. You can be whoever you want to be and nothing's holding you back. (laughs) So it's like the ability to leave your family, change your name and all that. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like a memento style of like forgetting everything that you ever were. There will be a 60 minutes episode about you sometime in the future. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, the truth, I mean, like the truth is this conversation happened when we weren't even married. So it's not like, you know, we weren't like, let's get away from each other. But uh, so I was, that I was your happy real to have answer her. then, or was that your date answer? You know what I mean? Like, I think when no. you're dating, you kind of give on, you get, you put on answers nice. that sort of, uh, you know, are like, uh, sheepish, impress. sheepish portions of what you would really say. You know what I mean? Cause you don't want to like, no. you don't want to let <laughs> Cause on. there's some responsibilities there. I would no, sleep I I, for I a straight week in a pile of donuts. Mm-hmm. Well, we won't have a second date. <laughs> it's sort of like, well, do you know what I do with my laundry? I kind of sleep on my laundry. And then when I wake up, I sort of put on whatever I was sleeping on. And, you know, there's no ironing happening. No. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, so I, I don't think it was a sheepish sort of answer. I actually thought so it was something that I, that's, that was definitely at the time, that was my real answer for sure. Yeah. So part of it I is totally having nothing, thought, to, having nothing to, what, what is it about a, like, is it the drive or is it yeah. not, not it's having, the, it's the having nothing to worry about and nothing tethering you. I think nothing than, holding you back other than the, the limitations, gravity fuel on a combustion engine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and when and it runs like, out, that's on the car you trip is over. Then exactly. you have to worry about getting somewhere to refuel. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I thought about like, I did a, I did a cross country trip and there was something very freeing about like, just, just driving across country, just, you know, just going wherever I was going to go. And I sort of had like a limited plan, but I actually didn't even know where I was going to stop. I didn't know, like, you know how some people like map it out and they have all the pins and all the places they're going to go and what they're going to see. And I just drove, I knew where I was going to end up. I was going to end up in California, but that was it. And like, for me, that was like, wow, that was like about as free as I think I've ever gotten in my life. See, I have that sense of adventure. Like it'd be fun to just not have an agenda, but it doesn't seem like freedom to me. It just seems like a, like a break from something else. You know what I mean? There's not a, it doesn't, it wouldn't feel totally free. I'd still have to, I feel like there'd be more to worry about if the trip was, you know, if everything was planned out for me and I sat in the back seat and someone else were escorting me, that'd be more freedom for me. Cause otherwise you get to like driving Miss Daisy is like your ultimate dream. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I don't, I don't think you actually saw driving Miss Daisy. If you think that's freedom, (laughs) the whole whole movie is about racism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there was somebody driving the car. (laughs) All right, you, yes, you caught me. In, I have in, never in, seen driving mistakes in the one aspect <laughs> that there was a chauffeur. Yes, I would love the chauffeur. Uh, okay. However, uh, you should watch the movie before you bring it up as an example of freedom. See, uh, this is why I use my produced voice because sometimes I end up talking about movies I've never seen before. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, wasn't there a sense of like, uh, okay, what? Are, yeah, I, you know, you didn't have any nervousness about, okay, I got to figure out where to stop, or is this going to be safe enough, or, you know, where am I going to eat next, or what would be fun, or you were just like, I don't know. I felt like I felt like in where from where I was sitting, you know, there's always a motel. Like it's not like I, if I was actually like I think if I were hiking 
And if I, and I was like trekking along and I had to set up camp and I'd have nowhere to sleep and I'd have nothing to eat. And I wouldn't, you know, if I didn't set up a fire and then it was getting dark, those sorts of things I think would, would put a little wary on me when you're driving and it's like, you can stop at a McDonald's or something, or, you know what I mean? Like pick up food and there's nothing, you're not in the middle of nowhere. If you were in the middle of the desert, I guess, yeah, there'd be some concern, but there's a motel right along, you know, like on the, along the road, you're on the highway. What's the big deal? So you're, so it sounds like a lot of it you're saying is, is your freedom is freedom, freedom from, uh, expe- not expectation, responsibility, essentially having to work, yeah. having to yeah. pay the bills, having to take care of kids, having to that kind of cook. I think my, I think the classic example for me is of what freedom fe- feels like. If somebody were to say to me, like, what does freedom feel like? Not, you know, the open road and the car and the gas open the, the, the classic example is finishing finals at the end of a semester in college. That was it. Like, I don't think I ever felt freer than that moment when I finished my last final and I went, and now I can sleep as late as I want. I can do whatever I want. I, you know, don't have to study right now. I don't have to read 16 chapters in a book by tomorrow. Like that was, that was a real feeling of total weight off my shoulders, freedom at that exact moment. In essence, you'd get the same feeling of freedom from being in prison. Maybe I've never done it, but you may. Yeah. Where you didn't have to make your own food. Right. You didn't have to make your own food. You've got a bed. But that's exactly the point. You're exactly in the opposite position there. You have no freedom. You can't go wherever you want to go. You can't do whatever you want to do at that point. You're in prison. But that was your definition of freedom was just sort of being, being unbound of, of responsibility. Right. So in essence, in prison, they don't have responsibilities. It's not like, you know, there's certain things they have to do. Well, some prisons, they, they do have right. jobs and they work, do have some work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I mean, you just got to get into a gang and then you're good. Are there Jewish gangs? <laughs> are there, are there, there have been in the past. Yes. There have been Jewish mafias. No oh, doubt about it. Gosh, that'd be an interesting process. <laughs> a lot of complaining and a lot of fish eating, probably some pickled fish. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And it's, it's obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm tongue in cheek, but I mean, it's, I think all definitions of freedom are fleeting. The one that I thought of on a, you know, let's talk base level and then we'll go a little deeper. But the one I thought of was um, not having to worry about money. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be like Mm. unbelievably wealthy and have, you know, the added uh, frustrations that, that you hear wealthy people have of, you know, being stalked and be having to deal with security and all that. I just don't want to worry about money. I, I I want, you know, you know, kind of be like, Oh, I'd like to have, you know, this meal, or I'd like to go on this trip, or I'd like to have a pool installed in my backyard right. and, and just not have to worry about it. like things are just taken care of. Cause I think that's always, you know, I think is it things a, taken care of or ability to be able to do the things that you want to do? Yeah. Without, without the money issue, you know, cause I think right. there's always that limitation of there's a cost to it. There's a mm-hmm. amount that I have to, either earn or save or steal and steal. uh and in order to exchange you know I, I don't i think that it's such a it is uh such a burden and the freedom of it from you know i i, I very intentionally think through not worry about money because you can do that in two ways one i can stop yearning to have this luxurious pool in my backyard right or two I could have enough money to pay for it. Right. And then the not yearning for things that I can't afford 
is a big part of not worrying for it. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times that's like the, 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 what binds us, what keeps us from feeling a sense of freedom is the, is our own mind's desire for, for things we need. You know what I mean? Like, do you need to break free of the responsibility of, you know, getting your kids ready for school or is freedom just feeling peaceful and okay about not being to school on time? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that another form of freedom in the same way as, is not like, you know, I get anxious and worried about, you know, buying, buying things sometimes. And it's like, well, do I really need this thing? Or do I really need the best version of this thing? Or have I just created this fake mindset that's imprisoned me to worry? You know, is it a, is it right. a fake, is it a fake prison cell that I've put myself in? I think that's the case th- for all of us. Don't you? No, I think I, what, what, what I always think about is, having the ability, and then I, I flip and flop with this, I, having the ability to get my kids all the things that I always want to get them without any fear, like going on, like you're saying, like going on vacations, whatever it be, and have no sort of money restriction worries on that. But on the flip side, I flip, I always flip around and go, I wouldn't want my kids to be the type of kids that get all the things they want. That's just a horrible thing. So like I go back, I go back and forth. I don't want to have that worry, right? Like that, that, for sure, I agree. I don't want to have that concern of feeling like, oh my gosh, if we're going to go away, what am I going to have to cut back on? Or how am I going to pay for this? Th- those things for sure. But I, but at the same time, like not being able to get in everything is not a bad thing on in and of itself. You know, I think that it's a good thing to sort of have limits on what we can get for ourselves and our, and our family members. Yeah. But you're confusing what I said with not worrying about money with, with being spoiled or spoiling others. Like I think within reason, you know what I mean? I, I, I right. think if my kids want something and we, whether we have the money for it or not, you can still, and you could still, you could still instill, you can still teach there you go. them, yes. uh, you know, how to work hard for what they're doing or how to, show an appreciation and gratitude for something that isn't, hasn't been, you know, earned, right. You could still work on those things, even if you have the money, you do that with, you know, a simple toy that you get from target. Um, So I think there's, there's, but, but it's not worrying about that money. You know, it's not having that constant reminder that, Oh geez, we can't do this or uh, I need to work harder. I need to work for three months straight and, you know, give up um, going out to lunch, uh, in order to have something, right? It's just kind of being able to do that in some way. On a deeper level though, I think I think each of us have um, kind of within our personality types, I would say we have a um, something that binds, something that binds us, right? That if we could free, um, like if we can, if we can experience a freedom, right? So for me, um, one of my things is I, I think a freedom would be uh, not worrying about people's expectations of me, but also mm-hmm. not worrying about people's uh, impression of me or my work. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times I pivot what I do or how I do it so that people don't have a bad impression of me. And it's like, gosh, if I didn't have to worry, if I didn't worry about that somewhere in my um somewhere in my ENFP type seven, uh, manic depressive personality type brain, you know, I worry, I worry about expectations and people's impressions of me, but man, if I didn't have those, if I was just free to be myself, I think that's when I'm my best, 
you know what I mean? It's moment by moment. It's not like constant. Some moments I'm completely right. free of that. Other moments I'm like, oh boy, I gotta, I can't tell this joke because someone will think, uh, you know, think awful of me rather than just feeling free right. to be like, I'm going to tell this joke and I don't give a shit what you think. <laughs> oh man. I, the, the truth is I feel like on the one side, the work that I do, I, f- I do feel this sort of, there's always a somebody watching what you're doing in sort of the overall scale of, you know, the performance that you put on when you do a circumcision and it's a ritual experience, but there's also that sort of minor where the, where the parents themselves are watching very closely what you're doing and how it, you know, turns out. And, and so there are all those things. So like, I, I don't think I could go for even a millisecond without thinking about, you know, who's thinking about what I'm doing and how I'm performing and, you know, how well it went and all those things, but there's no pivoting. Like I can't, I can only do what I'm going to do. The one thing that I'm there to do the best that I can do it. Like if anybody came up to me and said, you know, I really don't like the way you sing when you sing this and that, I, I would say, okay, well, you know, uh, maybe next time I won't sing as much, but, but there's really not, I don't get to, I, I actually, the funny part is I never tell jokes. I won't, I, I feel that if you're in the middle of a bris and you, and you tell jokes, it shows that you actually are not very confident and you want to sort of deflect what's going on. And, you know, you're taking away from, you know, you're sort of covering over something. So I'm always sort of, I'm not, I'm not joking. If I, if I do, you know, crack a joke, it's very, you know, under the breath to like a parent, you know, maybe, maybe, but it's not, it's not that sort of a thing where I get up and I give a, a sermon, like, you know, you got, you, you probably do that on a weekly basis where, and you probably have to analyze who's listening. What are they thinking? And, you know, Right. Is that What's true? Perception. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I think, I think that's somebody else's, someone else's personality type, their f- fear or, 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 or they, they only feel free if they're completely authentic, completely real, completely themselves. Right. Mm. So if they were in your position and they couldn't tell a joke that came to their head, they would quit. You know what I mean? Like you, you obviously have some, you know, some sense that you can kind of balance that because you are one to like crack jokes and have things that are semi inappropriate pop in your head. And obviously there's bad times for inappropriateness, but I think there's, there's, you know, you filter that with, with other things, but um, some people would just say that's inauthentic. So I'm not doing it. Like their, Mm -hmm. their, their in prison would be having to, you know, filter what they're going to say or think or do. Right. Right. So So I think, I think everybody, anyway, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I think people, people's personality lends them to, you know, yearning for, for different types of, uh, of freedoms. Our own mind creates this prison for each and every one of us in a different way. I don't know. It's it's funny because when you said it, I I was thinking like, when was I, or when have I been in a situation where I am the most free in in speech? It's gotta be like an improv or a comedy moment, right? Like improvisation, it's like the only goal that you have is to make people laugh, right? There's very little, I mean, unless you're talking about actually offending people and saying something, which is totally off color, but really my only goal when I'm standing up there on stage doing improvisation is to just make somebody laugh. So whichever way gets me there, it doesn't matter how I got there, right? Whereas in what I'm doing and the work that we do, it's not my goal. My end goal is not to make people laugh necessarily. It would be nice. You know, I'm sure people would have a better time with my, you know, speech if I threw in a peppered it with a couple of jokes, but it is not my ultimate goal. So if all I did when I got up there was not, it was to make people laugh and not make them think mm-hmm. I'd not be doing my job. Right. 
Sure, but aren't you still bound by the expectation of laughter? I mean, people go to a comedy show. Yes. To laugh. Yeah, there are very sure. few very few comics who say who say they're not working for the laugh. Right. Yeah, so we, we've is, it's, he's come up before. Maybe maybe Andy Kaufman was probably the only person who comes to mind who says, "I'm going to get up here and I'm going to read The Great Gatsby. I don't care if you think it's funny or not. The joke's on you. Not a, not it, you're not going to maybe get the joke. The joke's on you." Sure. That's very yeah. rare. Yeah, and I mean, even Im- improv comedy is a tough one because it's like, are you working for the? You know, I think I think there is a sense of they're working for the laugh, but there's a something deeper going on of being in the moment. And yeah, like having a freedom there's, and there's, there's tools they use to get there. But um, yeah, that's an interesting one to consider, I guess. Um, the other great, you know, I think the ultimate sense of freedom for me would be to lead my countrymen in a rebellion to free Scotland from the tyranny of King Edward the first of England. And now that, I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah. 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 And just the feeling of, of a kilt as a Scot and, and having, uh, having blue paint on my face and mm-hmm. standing in front of a crowd of my fellow Scots and yelling, they can take our lives, <laughs> but they can't take our freedom. I, 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 <laughs> that would, I, I just feel like that would, I, I don't know. I, I tear up just, just yeah. knowing the, the amount of liberation that would provide for me. And I, I, I don't know. Where did that longing come from, Ralph? I wonder. You know, I, I often have a feeling that I've lived many past lives, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, in movies. In one in, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, 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 and one may have been a, um, a Scott, I guess. I don't know. Well, I got to tell you, man, he, he doesn't motivate me the way he used to Mel, Mel Gibson. He, uh, he just, he makes me angry. You mean William Wallace? Oh no, William Wallace. He's great. He, he's great. The, the, the actor, I guess, was somebody who, uh, who rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Oh, he's, he's not on the, he's not on the Jews hot list anymore. He has, uh, <laughs> what does Mel Gibson, what does Mel Gibson have to do with Braveheart? That, Oh, I'm talking about William. I'm sorry. I didn't know. Did did you not know that there were actors in movies? Is this a new thing? That wasn't actually him. That wasn't a documentary. I'm I'm sorry. Got a. You've really broken down the fourth wall on my freedom. Thanks. (laughs) I apologize for that. I thought maybe you were uh, on top of that. Wasn't it was such a great movie though. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I think there was a sense. I mean that scene, but also the sense of, uh, you know, the tyranny was very real for them. And somehow there was a very emotional sense that we all connected to right through, through all of them, even though we have, we, it was a historical story, uh, you know, kind of uh, done up by Hollywood, but um, I don't know. It did, it it did connect to a sense of like breaking free of any of those, you know, those walls that hold us. And we, none of us, you know, especially listening to this podcast, none of us really have those things, that bind us anymore. I mean, you're right. probably the closest living in the West bank um, of Israel with, you know, prisons and checkpoints and all that, and not prisons, but um, gates and checkpoints and all that. Right. You have, you have a place that you're, well, you, you, you have freedom between, between both uh, territories, don't you? Correct. 
Correct. We are able to go freely between both territories um, and uh, people who are Israeli Arabs also get to go freely between the, the checkpoints. Um, so what but, is your what is your role that allows you to do that? Um, it's really just the fact that, you know, I'm an Israeli citizen. That's the only thing that makes it so that I can go to and from. And so the one who can't? Uh, people who do not hold a... Uh, I believe it's people who do not hold a passport that's uh, or an ID card that says that they are an, an Israeli Arab citizen as opposed, right? You have to have some Israeli citizenship to to freely go back forth. I think if you want to go from this area back into the uh, into main part of Israel, you have to have you have to like apply for um, the ability to do so and get permits to do so. so. It's, it's Palestinian citizenship. It, there, I that is a that. They are, they are, yeah, I guess you could call it Palestinian citizenship. The, the word Palestinian is always a, a funny word. That's why most of us does, try to stand on... It doesn't really on, work. It doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? Palestinian. Well, it's not, it's not only the, the ability to say it. It's also it's the, the fact that, yeah, it, it, the Palestine, the whole, the fact that there are people who are saying that this, it gets very complicated. All the terminology gets complicated. But yes, people who are not Israeli Arabs, right, who do not have who do not have Israeli citizenship have, it will, will get stopped at the checkpoint and, and have to show some set of documentation that they can come through. Yeah. And that's, it's an interesting one. Cause it's like, they, there's a sense that um, there is a group of people or people who live elsewhere that, um, um, uh, that, you know, are kind of not, not necessarily imprisoned, but um are kind of kept in a certain area, which is a sense of imprisonment, right? But everyone experiences that kind of that fear of, you know, going, you, you go through those checkpoints with automatic weapons and gates, right? Correct. Correct. Um, Does it feel like you're all, you know, I mean, you, you aren't, you aren't afraid because you know, you've got the right passport, you've got the mm -hmm. checks to get through, but are you still in, in, in essence, you know, is it scary to be around that situation and to hear, you know, bombings and such in the area because of the, the, the issues between all the different groups? It is, um, it's definitely a reminder. I mean, I, it's funny because the, the language that you used of um, keeping people in a certain area, I'd say it's more actually keeping people out of a certain area, right? So that, that people are not welcome necessarily to come into main Israel um, at this point. It's, it's actually really sad. I just, there, you, there was a time, it was actually before I was living here. Um, we live uh, on the other side of Bethlehem in between where I used to live in Jerusalem and here is Bethlehem. And there was a time where people used to drive. I'm talking Israelis who would come to live in the area where I live, which is in a frat on their way home on Fridays from work, they would drive through Bethlehem and they would stop in the markets in Bethlehem and they would purchase the things that they needed for Shabbat. They would purchase the food, the flowers, whatever it was that they were getting, you know, produce, whatever. Mm -hmm. And there came a point where things got so tense that unfortunately now we, we had to make another road to go around Bethlehem and, and we can't go in and out of there freely. We too can't go in and out of there freely. In fact, I, I'm not sure. I haven't done it in a while. There was a time when I went into Bethlehem. One time I went into Bethlehem for a program called Encounter where we went and we met with um, actually Christian um, Arabs in the in Bethlehem and we had conversations with them and um, and I think that the way that I got to go through was by having an American passport that Israelis that have Israeli passports cannot directly go through there at this point. 
um, cause it's not considered safe for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so do, do I, I mean, so your question was, do I feel safe in the area where I am? Um, there are times where I feel safe and there's times where I'm nervous. There's definitely moments of, of, uh, tension. Um, I mean, when you're driving down a road where, um, it's known that, you know, thank, thank God right now it's not very common, but there have been in the past, you know, rocks thrown at windshields of cars and, you know, have, and that has caused people, you know, serious damage, if not death, it's definitely, it's definitely scary to be driving down a road like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully the tensions are not what they were. The tensions are a lot lower. And the community, the surrounding communities of Afrat actually have Wadi Nis is the next, uh, is the Arab village just next to us. We have a great relationship with that, with that town. And most of the, um, most of the attempted terror attacks that have ever happened in here were thwarted because people found out where we were sort of tipped off by the, the people in Wadi Nis that something weird was going on. And that's how most of the things were thwarted and, uh, and didn't come to fruition. Thank God. Um, but it's thank, thankfully we have, I mean, I, we had a cleaner come last week, uh, just before Passover to come help clean our house. Um, and he comes in through the gate. That's just literally across the street from my apartment. Um, and we have to bring, you have to pick him up at the gate and then bring him back to the gate. And, you know, he work. he lives in Wadi Nice and he, it was great. I mean, he comes in, he works for us and, you know, we have that great relationship and that's one of the beautiful things about being here. But unfortunately that not everybody feels the way that, that he does. And, you know, people of Wadi Nice feel so it's, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think it just, for me, the kind of the question is who, who is really free? You know, I think we're, you know, these, these checkpoints are set up obviously for a reason and, and, and um, you know, you feel a sense of freedom because you are mobile and able to get around and you're of the right citizenship, but you still have this other, you know, this exchange of, okay, I, I just exchanged being free, uh, you know, and I think equality or respect or, you know, mutual understanding have some party to play in this, right? Like I think even you think of uh, the American Revolutionary War fighting for freedom, uh, hundreds of thousands of people died. Were we really free uh, or did we, you know, pay for that? Were we bound right. um, to earn that sense of making our own rules? And you said it in the beginning uh, when you were talking about, you know, the people of Israel were only truly free for a moment because they exchanged slavery in Egypt for this set of Levitical laws you know, so who's really free and how are we, you know, how are we defining it? How are we migrating it? And every generation sort of like often, I guess I would say better is um, they often reassess what freedoms they have, but they haven't lived through the history of what freedoms have been, you know, emancipated or liberated in the past. Right. So there's a lot of, um, I think discussion now about sexuality, um, you know, both um, homosexuality and inclusion, but also, you know, gender identity um, and how inclusive is it? And, and they're all saying, you know, we don't feel free because we identify in this sort of way and we don't, you know, we don't have full inclusion or appreciation or acceptance. 
but also looking back through the lens, it's like that has been hard fought just to get to the freedoms we're at today for women's rights and um, racial equality and all that. None of it's perfect yet, but there's still a sense of, um, you know, everybody's kind of reassessing a new form of, of freedom for a group of people that have existed for a long time. And I find that fascinating that, you know, the work of it is never truly complete, right? No, for sure. Um, it's de- listen, that's, that is definitely the topic at this moment, right? To talk about um, sexual freedom and whether or not, and, and the hardest thing from where I sit is I was actually having this conversation with my father the other day. And I said, how much, how are we, uh, how are people who are religious people who do sort of feel bound to a doctrine of law um, that, that is in contradiction with um, some of the things that modern society is uh, the direction that modern society is going in. How, how do the two things meet, right? Do we, do we say, mm. listen, you, you know, the, you're free to, to sort of express yourself as you want and to be who you want to be. And I don't want to in any way, shape or form. I think that you should be free to be who you want to be. But then when, you know, a government says, uh, but my institution, which has totally separate values from that, they're not the same values. And, and I'm being told I have to hire that person in my staff or I'm being, you know, I'm discriminating against them. It's very, it's such a hard question. How, how do we sort of bridge those two things, right? If, if someone were to be on staff who I, like, it could be anything. I mean, it could be a million things. It doesn't have to necessarily be sexual expression, right? But if somebody were to um, express something which was completely different and, and contrary to the Jewish ethos, mm-hmm. and then I was to say, well, you have to hire that person. How is a religious institution supposed to function like that? Yeah. And it's like, does the law, yeah. Does the law hold you from being free or does the law bring you to a greater sense of freedom? Right. Um, because on, on the, in this ex- specific example, it frees one set of people while it, while it's not freeing to another set of people, right? On the one side, if we don't, right, if I'm just saying, if you were to say, now you have to hire a specific person that you completely disagree with, and you don't want them sort of expressing those values, well, I've freed that person up to be hired by me, but now I'm not free because I can't express my religion or practice the religion the way that I feel I need to, right? So it's, it's a total, they go both ways. Yeah. And, and I think that's where religion has a a huge role to play because in, in trying to understand this, uh, liberation or, um, or, or sense that, that all parties on the, at least the Christian, uh, the the new Testament, the uh, part of the Bible. Um, and I think the old Testament actually in many places has people in power, uh, and God and God's people trying to stand with the people who are oppressed, right? Trying to stand in solidarity with an oppressed crowd, right? The people of Israel were the Mm -hmm. slaves, right? God wasn't advocating on, uh, on the side of Pharaoh. He wasn't like, Mm -hmm. Hey, these people need to be oppressed, right? They shouldn't be able to have jobs equal to that of Egyptians because they're born there. Right. And so there's this Mm -hmm. constant sense that we, if we're on the, on God's side, the second that we put us on the winning team or the team that feels, you know, the team that feels like we're entitled to something. That's the second where we're on the side apart from the side that God is probably advocating for, you know, God, I'm not saying God wants all people to, 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 to succeed um, and to feel that sense of wholeness, to be in relationship with God. But 
the Bible tells us that there is an oppressed, there is a, a weak, there is a, a hurt crowd, and God is consistently advocating for those folks when we're often saying, oh, well, I shouldn't have, you know, I shouldn't have to uh, follow these laws that are, you know, kind of equal opportunity or um, trying to equal pay, that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I get both sides, but I'm also like, well, if we're really following, you know, the God we see in the Bible, and for me, it's it's the God I see in Jesus, who specifically says, you know, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is to God's, meaning, you know, there are, there are laws we have to follow in the land, um, and we have to do certain things because they exist, but we have to keep advocating for a, a, a better scenario that looks more like you know, the inclusive, all loving, graceful God. Um, and I think that's, that's tough. I mean, it, it, you can call yourself the best Jew, the best Christian, the best Muslim, the best Buddhist ever. But I think there's human nature always says, well, what, you know, I should, I, I should get more. I'm, I earn more. I, I am entitled to more. I've been through more. Right. Right. No, it's, uh, this is a, this is one of the biggest challenges, right. Um, of how to bridge this gap. Um, and it's funny because one of my teachers said that um, he thinks that and this was, I mean, I think this was probably 10 years ago. He said that the Achilles heel of my sort of sect of Judaism, right? The modern Orthodox mm-hmm. sect of Judaism, that the Achilles heel is the, is the question of homosexuality. He said, because there are those of us, and I consider myself one of them who, it, you know, sort of heart bleeds in that way and, and, and feels for the, uh, for anyone and everyone and wants people to sort of find love and find the person that they, um, they need to be with. While at the same time, there are things very explicit in scripture, which for us, um, you, you can't, as much as you may want to, um, you can't overturn them easily. And so he said the Achilles heel for us who are, who are open and, and, and modern is that you know we want to sort of embrace every sort of lifestyle and 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 be there for everyone and, and give them what they need while at the same time we can't we can't legally change that and that's sort of a contradiction there's just nothing we can do we're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place mm-hmm. yeah and that's where for me you know the um, Jesus dying on the cross we see that as an ultimate freedom from being bound to you know, honor the laws of which, um, which Jews, you know, you know, follow and honor, um, in order to achieve our righteousness, right? Um, you know, Christ has set us free, we can't do that. Uh, it's God's divine nature in Jesus, that wins us equality with God, not following the laws, not honoring all those things. So the freedom is to live a life of faith and service, right? So we're not, um, we're not forced by the law to be good people. We're inspired by Jesus' love uh, and grace to do all those things for us. We're inspired to live a better life. And I think that's where the freedom comes in. You know, Martin Luther says that the Christian is at once utterly free in faith, but also a servant to all in works of love. So once we recognize Jesus' work on the cross to die for our sins, it inspires and motivates us to serve all people, to help, you know, people in need and not be so worried about our own, you know, being bound by that kind of sense of duty and, um, 
responsibility to God. And, and you know, it's, it's a paradox that I think a lot of people cannot wrestle with in their lives. People want right and wrong. They want good and bad. They want, you know, what do I have to do versus what shouldn't I do? And Jesus kind of walks in the middle of those things um, and helps, you know, helps us to see a better way to live um, and let go of, you know, our own understanding and, and trying to figure out what's right. And just then just, just, you know, live the way I lived and God's going to work it all out for you. And that's, I think that's a challenge for a lot of people, but a freedom for, for me as a Lutheran, as a Christian, who's also a Lutheran, um, we understand Jesus work, you know, as kind of that, that payment, that liberation that gives us freedom. It's, it's interesting because it sounds a lot like what we're, we're talking about. I mean, you're st- you still sound, and tell me if I'm wrong about this, but you sound like you still are bound to some aspects of what Jesus wants for you, correct? It, it, even though it's not delineated in a, in a, in a list, right? That, that you, you have certain values, certain core goals that you're working on that, that Jesus sort of modeled for you. Is that correct? Is but that a good start? Not by force. It's, it's kind no, of- not by force. Yeah, it's living, you know, living with compassion and forgiveness, uh, you know, trying to heal and to um, affirm and appreciate all people the way Jesus did. To yeah, that kind no, of so it's, uh, it's interesting because it, it might not be the same uh, level of intricacy, but y- y- just as Jews sort of shifted from being under Pharaoh to being almost immediately, right, we, we, head, we head out of there, we go through the, the, the sea, right? The, the, the dry land in between the water. And we, we end up at Mount Sinai and we immediately get uh, a, a book, which has now sort of rebound us to God in a way. It seems like that's the same thing. You had that, that binding was there of the old Testament. And as soon as that was sort of alleviated for you in some senses, you had a different set of things that you were to work on. Is that correct? Is that a fair assessment? Not necessarily. So Jesus didn't come to to abolish those laws. Jesus came to fulfill them. So essentially, there that the work is done. Um, and I think that's where the the you know the once the work is done, there's freedom. Like you said, um, in one of the things you were saying about feeling free of responsibility, being on the open road. Like once all the work is done, you could hit the open road, get a full tank of gas and feel that freedom. That's, that's what Jesus did for us. He fulfills all that stuff. Um, you know, and I think there is still a sense of if we're living in sin, we haven't allowed Jesus to do the work that God wanted. Uh, we've sort of taken that back and put that work upon ourselves if we're still you know, living apart from God and and not honoring all the work Jesus did for us. So maybe we're not free in that way because there is a sense of guilt that we cannot, you know, we can't uh, murder, we can't, uh, we can't uh, hold on to a grudge, that kind of stuff. Uh, But I think that's where, you know, grace and unconditional forgiveness and acceptance come in because it's like we we lean on the side of, you know, it's the love that changes us, not the, the guilt of doing something wrong. And, and if you, maybe it is, maybe it is like you're saying, maybe it is still a, a, a sense of being bound by something, but I feel more free when I'm inspired to do something than when I'm forced to do something. Right. How about you? Um, yeah, I think I could, I could relate to that. I, th- I think what's interesting I flip and flop with whether or not um, whether or not the 
laws that we Jews are bound and and live by as to whether or not that is a, that is a, a, fr- a sense of freedom or not a sense of freedom. Um, I can't, I don't even have a good answer. Honestly, I don't even have a good answer. I mean, on, on one day I could sit there and say, um, I've told people this actually many times that I say, when I, um, when I pray three times a day, let's say that I forgot to do the evening prayer. Now I'm like, I've, I've gotten totally ready for bed and I sit down in bed and I realize, oh my gosh, I forgot to pray. Right. Well, a lot of the time, I hope that when I'm praying, it's inspirational, right? Like I feel motivated. I feel connected. I feel like I want to pray. But at that moment when it's like midnight and all I want to, to do is go to, to bed, do, yeah. Yeah, I, the only thing that can be there is to have to. And I'm, that's the only thing that's going to get me back out of bed and, and go and pray. And, and, and that's okay to have both sides of the coin. You know what I mean? To have both a, a motivation of inspiration and a motivation of need or requirement. Right. I often talk about it like, um, like in a marriage, right? Um, are you motivated to uh, to act in love or in duty? And it's always both. But if you get your wife flowers and she says, oh, these are lovely flowers. Thank you so much. Why did you get me flowers? It's a random Tuesday. And you said, because I have to, I'm your husband. Right. right. You feel bound to duty, right? But if you say, well, it's because I love you and I wanted to express that in this way, there's a sense of, freedom that you get to, you know, you get to figure out a way to honor that relationship, give her something she enjoys and appreciates, you know? Um, and that's where, you know, kind of the, the method behind the madness or the motivation, you know, comes into play. Right. Cause I think it's, it's both and right. you like, you, right. You do those three prayers a day because that's the law, but it also is only by, uh, acting upon that law that you experience that freedom. So there's definitely, and I think that's, like I said, with um, Lutheran Christianity, there's, there is a paradox there that we have to walk and anyone who's holding on too tightly to either side is missing out on the opportunity to feel free because they're trying to get that mind, that personality type of theirs to either say, I need a strict set of laws. So I know how to get to heaven or I need to, feel enough love to be motivated to be a good person. Hmm. You know, and, and I always think that, you know, for me, at least it's always been um, love and forgiveness that have, that have motivated me to, to change, you know, it's like, uh, you know, clean your room or else hasn't really inspired me to clean my room, but the appreciation of, you know, a, a, a loving family and a roof over my head and a great room was always like, I should take care of this stuff somehow. Totally. And I, it's funny because when you use that, that sort of, you have both sides, it's like, you know, and I, one of the things I think of that I get from my wife on a regular basis is she'll be in bed and have forgotten to get her mouth guard. Don't tell anybody I said mouth guard, but she, we both wear a mouth guard. Okay. Yes. So don't, yeah, everybody. So, she, so she'll forget it. And then, you know, I don't get up because I'm like, I wanted to show you how much, you know, I, I got you your mouth guard because I... <laughs> got your mouth guard when we were both in bed because there's a little bit of duty there. And I feel like I need to, you know, I, not, not that I, I don't love her at that moment, but it's like, you yeah, know, I, I should probably do this. This is great. We got, this is, this is juice. This is dirt. We got right here. <laughs> you got some serious dirt. And if she ever catches up, she might actually know that I said this about her, but I'm not holding my breath right now. We'll just have to tell both our mothers not to tell your wife. To listen <laughs> now, to you're the talking. <laughs> now you're talking. Uh, oh, good, good. times.
Well, this was a great conversation. I loved it. I appreciate the, uh, the, the dialogue and um, hopefully those of you listening enjoyed it and found some sense of uh, where you fall and um, earning your freedom or where your freedoms come from. But uh, I'd love to hear more from you. If you got any questions or comments or um, you also wear a mouth guard, let us know. Uh, definitely. If you wear a mouth guard, definitely put it in the comments below. But make sure you uh, type it like this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jamie. Good to see you as always. Always, man. Talk to you later. Yeah, take care, everybody.